Welcome to the Learning To Podcast, the podcast about the Learning To Global Events, a conference for teachers by teachers. On this podcast, you will enjoy stories about Learning To, as well as core reflections on the many learnings that have resulted from our events. Hi, and welcome to the third episode of the Learning To Podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she and her. On today, we are going to take a look back at what is one of um, my all-time favorite Learning To talks. This is a Learning To talk that I have shared multiple times. Anybody who cares about leadership, this is a phenomenal talk to return to. But before we dig into that, we've got a little bit of business. If you are following Learning To through any of their social media channels, you know the big news, Learning To Asia is coming back this April. So if you are curious to learn more about how you can attend Learning To April, you're going to want to head over to learningtoasia.org. We will have the link to it in the show notes for you. So you can learn all about um, this incredible opportunity to connect with inspiring educators. Okay, so as I mentioned, the focus today is on a learning to talk that allows us to really rethink leadership and connections and communication with parents, caretakers, and of course students. This learning to talk comes from school leader Tico Ohms. So join me in listening once again as Tico takes the stage. Hi. Um, Mad Magazine has uh, a section all the time. It's called Scenes I'd Like to See. And they draw a cartoon of some improbable event and they kind of make it funny. And then thinking of that and inspired by that and by the theme illuminating the next decade, this is a leadership speech I'd like to give sometime within the next 10 years. And it takes place at a new parent orientation. I'm the school leader saying, welcome parents to your new international school. You're gonna love it here. And we're gonna start with a story about dog racing. In dog racing, there's this mechanical arm that holds a mechanical rabbit, and when the dogs are released, that arm swings around and the dogs chase it. And in this story, there's this dog that won all the races. It was the fastest dog around. And it kept winning all the races until one day it stopped winning the races. And it looked uninterested and lethargic and kind of depressed. And it would lose race after race, giving half effort. And the other dogs, they grew worried about their friend. And in stories like this, dogs talk. So the dogs went to that fast dog and they said, what's going on? You used to win all the time. Now you look kind of sad. You're not giving your full effort. What's happening? And the fast dog, the champion dog, said, well, you know that rabbit we've been chasing? I just realized it's not real. And that story scares us because we don't want to have students that chase after great grades and then chase after admission to a prestigious university, chases after the great job, pursues a promotion, buys a big house, buys a fancy car, buys a bigger house, and then might one day wake up feeling empty and asking themselves, have I been chasing a fake rabbit all along? So at these new parent orientations, we always get asked similar questions. And one of the questions we get asked is, is your school rigorous? Rigorous. This is straight from Google. There's not a lot there that's actually very attractive. 
Is our school rigorous? I hope not. And I can't guarantee it, but certainly I hope not. Because at our school, we don't believe in the Listerine approach to education. Listerine did the marketing job of the century. Listerine is a mouthwash that tastes terrible. It's foul. And they somehow convinced you that the very fact that it tastes terrible is proof that it's effective. <laughs> and schools have been doing that to you parents for ages. If your kid is miserable and tired and anxious and stressed out and unhappy, they must be doing some good learning there. <laughs> We're not like that. We believe in play. Our kids play a lot. And we don't justify their play by saying research shows that it leads to higher levels of academic achievement. Our kids play because play is what kids should do, right? And this is what else we do at our school. We have warm, caring relationships. And we believe in music and art. And even though there's research that says these things lead to higher levels of academic achievement, that's not why we do it. We do it because these are the things that make us human. And even if the research didn't show that it led to higher levels of learning, we would do this anyway. Because not doing this, wouldn't that make us lose a little bit of our humanity? And keep kind of a soft part of your heart for poor music teachers who have to say, hey, take music classes because, you know, it might make your student a better mathematician. And nowhere have I seen that there are more adult mathematicians than there are adult musicians, right? And I was a math teacher, and I know math is beautiful, and math is elegant. But you'd have a hard time convincing me that there are more people who take pleasure in math problems than in music, right? But you never hear a math teacher being forced to say, oh, play, please take math. It might make your kid a better musician. We do have standardized tests at our school, but only for two reasons. It's because you move a lot. You need some ex you know, external validation of the learning that your kid has to take to the next school. That's the first reason. And the second reason is because it's another data point so we can meet your kid's needs well. But here's what we don't do. We don't judge ourselves, and we don't want to be judged by standardized test scores. In our schools, we don't internally say, you know, last year we had a 92.3% average. Next year, let's go for 92.5%. Let's go then after that for 92.7%. Our school's job we don't think, is to create great test takers. And neither do we want to be judged externally by this. We don't want to be put in the ranking of the best schools in the country or the best schools in a continent or whatever based on these test scores. That's not how we want to be judged, right? I was able to go to a Hewitt school. It's a prestigious girls' school in New York, and I met their school head, and she said it better than I could say it. She said, we tired of trying to be the best girls' schools in New York instead decided to start focusing on being the best school for our girls. And that's how we want to be. Because you know data, it can be dangerous. Haven't you ever noticed that the easiest stuff to measure starts slowly, insidiously, to become the most important thing in your school? The thing that you all talk about? And then that important stuff, the stuff that's hard to measure, sometimes impossible to measure, starts being ignored and cast aside. After all, how do you measure respect and decency and love and trust and confidence and safety and care? Those are really hard to measure. 
But don't fool yourself into thinking they're not important. That's what our school is all about. And we know our school is different, and we're proud of our school. And we're unapologetic for who we are. And please, parents, don't try to change us into something that's familiar to you. But after all, we want the same things you want. We want our kids to be successful. And we want our kids to be happy. And take a moment to think about those two. As you think about your kids and your hopes and dreams for them, would you rather them be successful or happy? Because often it's not the same thing. But that's not all we want for our kids. We want our kids to have lives that matter at our school. We want them to pursue things that are bigger than just themselves. We want them to make a positive impact in the people around them and in the world around them. Because after all, we're educating kids. We're not educating greyhounds. Thank you. That is the scene I'd like to see, and that is the leadership speech I'd like to someday be able to give. Thank you. So as you reflect back on Tico Ohms and his scene that he would love to see in school, I am sure we are all envisioning scenes that each of us would love to see in schools. I love that line, Tico reminding us that students' lives should matter in school. Um, that alone is a lot to mull over and to think about in what ways do students feel like they matter on your campus. So now we're going to hear from Tico himself as he reflects on this Learning to Talk years later. Hi, my name is Tico Ohms, and I gave a speech titled Scenes I'd Like to See at Learning to in Shanghai. Um, the speech was kind of you know, in an idealistic world, if I were a school leader, what would I be able to say to parents about what the school is like? And what still sticks with me about that is probably, or my favorite part is probably that Listerine analogy. And the Listerine analogy is basically that Listerine mouthwash did the marketing kind of sales job of the century because Listerine tastes terrible, <laughs> you know, it's vile. And they convince us that the very uh, fact that it tastes terrible is proof that it's very effective. And I make that analogy with schools that, you know, if kids are miserable and they're stressed out and they're really busy and they're really tired, that somehow schools have convinced parents that the fact that they feel that way and feel terrible is proof that there's a lot of good learning going on. And the reason it sticks with me is because I think that still happens, you know. And we have this kind of, you know, we know the research says that students who are confident and happy and feel safe and feel cared for and look forward to going to school, there's more learning going on. And it just makes common sense. How can you, how can you learn if you're scared and anxious and things like that? And yet there still seems to be uh, a lot of, you know, toughen up, this is life, and, you know, this is how you learn, and um, th that that's kind of attitude of tough love, and let's stress kiss kids out, and let's prepare them for life that way, and that's how learning happens, which is such a myth, and I wish it would just overcome, uh, get over that, that approach to education. So I think that sticks with me, because it's kind of a funny analogy, and I'm a mid-career switcher, you know, I have an MBA, and so, you know, the case study of Listerine and how they pulled that off is something that came to mind. And I like that connection with education. 
but I have to admit that in 2021, you know, near the end of 2021, but I'm sure still in 2022, it's a battle we're still fighting. So what did I learn uh, through this speech? Well, I learned something through the speech that really didn't happen in the speech. You wouldn't have seen it because that speech is quite idealistic. But what I learned as I reflected on the speech was that if I became a leader, I realized through creating that speech that that I would have to still live in the real world and that that speech is so aspirational and I really believe in it, you know, in my heart. But I also know that I live in the real world. And that means that part of what we hope for is to help kids achieve their aspirations. And once you get to the senior school level or the high school level, you know, the short term goal of, of many of our kids is to to enter certain universities and what is the right school for them i'm not saying we have to help them enter the most prestigious university but a school that really fits their needs and that's a short-term goal but that means that it, we can't have a totally idealistic school you know that doesn't help kids achieve that goal but what i say to parents now that that i am a principal is that's a short-term goal and it's important, but it's not sufficient. And we still want kids to get the tools to be able to be successful in university, to be successful in their jobs, to be successful in their careers. And those are longer term learnings that are more consistent with the kind of skills that we talk about um, in progressive uh, schools. But for the short term goal, we have to be honest and compromise and say, what can we do to help kids achieve their shorter term goals of getting into the university uh, of their choice? So what would I want someone listening to this talk to take away from it? You know, I think probably the most important thing is I just want them to explore and to think and to investigate. There are things we do in schools every day that just don't make sense. Just doesn't make sense at all. So can we at least question some things? Can we explore some alternatives? Can we kind of enter new ways of thinking that might meet needs better? And this is probably something that we have an advantage of in international schools. We do tend to move a lot. We tend to go from school to school. And so we have those fresh eyes frequently of being the new person. And to be able to ask questions like, why do we do that? And someone says, well, this is how we've always done it. And it works. And then through those new eyes, you can go, that makes no sense. Maybe this is better. What if we do this or what if we do that? So international school teachers often have that kind of um, brave kind of risk taking. Let's have a let's reexamine some things. And so I think from this speech, I, I hope that people reexamine some um, long held beliefs, um, especially at that start where we talk about that greyhound analogy and say is really getting really good grades and being stressed out about that, then trying to do that again in university, then trying to get the most prestigious job possible with the highest salary and buying all the great things that are symbols of success that, you know, those things don't lead to happiness. We know it doesn't. And can we question that? Well, can we question our approach to education then that might lead to people that think that that's the way to go through life? So, yeah, questioning things would be what I hope people get out of this talk. That is such a powerful prompt from Tico. What is something that's happening at your school that you're doing just because maybe it's always the way it's been done that doesn't make an awful lot of sense? What do you need to explore, think, or investigate?
Now, finally, we wanted to hear from Tico um, to take a little bit of a look at the behind the scenes of his talk and find out, um, you know, what might the audience not have been aware of that was significant in his production and execution of this phenomenal Learning to Talk. Turning it over one more time to Tico Ohms. You know, it's not so much behind the scenes, um, so much as, you know, what was going on in my head as I gave the talk. And that talk is kind of a synthesis of some kind of deep beliefs that I have around education. And education is just such an emotional thing. And we're all so committed to our kids and want what's best for them. And so to put that all together in a short speech, you know, it was pretty powerful. And I have to admit that as I gave the speech, I, you know, I kind of moved myself to an emotional place. And at the end, you probably see my voice turn a little bit flat in a lower volume because I was trying to control my emotion because I thought I might tear up myself as I thought about some of the things that kids go through in schools and consider how beautiful some of the alternatives are as well. And so near the end of the speech, if you see my voice go flat and the volume go down, it's that I was kind of fighting some emotion there. And I'm comfortable giving speeches in public. That's not something that makes me nervous. But this was an emotional talk for me. It was really meaningful for me. And so to share these things kind of deep from my educational soul publicly, there was an emotional component going on um, as I talked about it. Thank you again, Tico Ohms. Um, as an audience member, I have to say it's an emotional experience for me each and every time I revisit that talk. Thank you for putting it out there into the world. Folks, if you want to watch Tico Ohms deliver this talk, of course, you can find the link in our show notes or on the Learning to YouTube channel. And be sure to also click the link to learn more about Learning to Asia coming up this April. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Learning To podcast. To learn more about our offerings, head over to learningto.org or follow us on Twitter at Learning To. Until next time.